everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I know I'm not your regular host today. Wayne was stuck somewhere. So I am trying to uh, lead this webinar. We have our special guest speaker with us, Barbara Jean, DJ from uh, Sonoma Herbal Exchange and Association. So we can, we can say that, right? She's the director of Sonoma Herbal Exchange and Association, or just exchange. DJ. Well, the, the Herb Exchange is a project of the overseeing non Profit, the Sonoma County Herb Association. Okay. okay, so yeah, so just a bit of an intro, like since 2010, the Economic Action Team has this mission to bring you engaging and inspiring conversations and leaders and innovators, learning about their experiences and insights on how to create a more sustainable future. So uh, we have with us Barbara Jean, and uh, we will be talking to her and knowing more about her association and about her company. So hey, Barbara. How are you? And can you tell us, uh, our audience, like where you are at right now and uh, how's it been? Thank you, Arif. Um, well, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, I, um, I run the Sonoma County Herb Exchange, which is a project of the Sonoma County Herb Association, which is a um, nonprofit. Um, we are in Northern California in Sonoma County and um, within Sonoma County, we're in Sebastopol. And so it's north of San Francisco. Um, and that's where we are located. And we work with growers mainly in the area. Sometimes I work with growers a little farther beyond Sonoma County. Uh, awesome. So how did you like personally become involved in herbalism, basically? And which led to be like become the director of the Herbal Exchange? You know, I um I was that kid who was always in the plants as a child. I was just um, always looking, finding out what was edible. I remember my mom pointing to things to say, oh, don't eat that. And so I thought, oh, okay, that's that was fair. But I, I grew up in a suburban area and I used to wander the neighborhoods because there was always like a lot of um, delicious things that people were growing. <laughs> on their land and maybe it wasn't like they were growing tomatoes they just had i just was a natural forager and um and so i um met a lot of the neighbors that way i mean i was a kid but i was always just drawn to that and drawn to be in nature and um when i got into my high school years i i rode my bike all over santa clara valley just looking to see what um like throughout the seasons what was changing like um a creek i remember this in some of the areas the creeks were cemented in but there was some more outlying areas where the creeks were um still more original they weren't cemented and i remember going year after year and they were different so i learned that water moved things yeah. and i just you know that um just by paying attention i just was so drawn in to um this conversation that I felt really part of. And um, and so I was always really interested in 
sciences. Um, I especially was fond of bugs and I thought I might go into entomology. But then when I they learned that actually to study bugs, you generally killed them. And I just thought that was uh, an approach that I found rude. Um, so I didn't want to participate in that. I studied music for a while. I traveled um, quite a bit. And uh, but always kind of came back to my roots with plants. I did um, work in I did a lot of volunteering with nonprofits whose focus was on sustainability. I did a lot of work on GMOs um, just to educate folks around what the conversation looked like so people could um, have an idea of what they were um, putting in their bodies um, and on their land. And uh, I worked in the animal rights arena for a while, but always on my own time, I worked with plants. And so I went back to school and studied sustainable agriculture. I went to herb school. I volunteered here under the former director. And um, she moved out of the area and she wanted me to run the mornings, which I was actually not really wanting to do but she was a really great teacher and she was my mentor and i agreed to do that and then unfortunately she became ill and um, left the planet and the, the board asked me to step in and so that's how i happened to hold the seat at this time and i will say it's not the best way to get a job um i wasn't looking for the job but i have a um but i love the work we do and I thought, sure, I'll give it a go. Because um, I think we do a really important work with connecting makers and um, and farmers. And when you have the passion, I say that the it, it, universe works in mysterious ways. And somehow you had to be ending up here. So I think you ended up in the right place <laughs> that way. Not the best way, but it was the destiny, I will say. So, OK. So can you tell us about the mission and goals of uh, Sonoma County Herb Exchange, basically? Like, what are, you, what are your mission and goals? So I'm going to start with the mission statement of the overseeing nonprofit, which is the association. And it's the, that um, right there, as it says right there, fostering respect for the green world and our communities through the responsible use and sustainable cultivation of herbs. And so this organization was um, founded in the 90s, and at that time, most herbs were not um, they were were imported and it just there so the sustainable part was kind of shaky and um, Sonoma County is an agriculture area so at the same time the association was formed they also formed and I was not involved at that time they formed the Sonoma County Herb Exchange and that uh, mission statement is preserving agricultural biodiversity and enriching community and land health by fostering support for organic herb growers and medicine makers through marketing and educational forums. And so we pursue education just because um, education is key to so much. And then we wanted to support local farmers so they could diversify their crop base. And then we provided a market for them to um, move their um, well-grown herbs beautiful beautiful so uh what type of herbs are typically exchanged for your organization and how does the process work well the um because i work with a number of growers um we 
try to so we try to figure out what the year is going to look like by asking folks to pre-order and so we get a number of pre-orders because you know when i first we didn't always get a vast number of pre-orders but if somebody um, because we work with various sizes of makers from herb companies to tea makers to skincare um, producers and some companies are bigger than others um, and so if somebody wants 40 or 60 pounds of x we need to plan for that and so we started asking folks to pre-order for the year so we could plan that so i could work with the growers okay this um, person or company or clinic wants 60 pounds of say olive leaf or um we or another go to cola is a very common herb that's requested um, and i can go on to the variety of herbs that move through this venue but so we asked so we plan the year by looking at all those pre-orders and i make a bunch of lists and then um, we have a growers meeting and we um, i work with some growers year after year after year and so mm -hmm. i um i know that I, some there's some growers that are really solid because they've done it for a while and then you also want it there's up-and-coming growers there's backyard gardeners and everybody you know there's room for everybody so we set it up with the pre-orders and then we also send out a list every month of these are the herbs that are going to be available in the next short while and then um, folks send in oh I'd like I'd like to get a pound of yarrow or I'd like to get you know two pounds of California poppy whole plant or and and so on and so forth and then we just put them in the mix and because we're a first provide a first request first provide venue I just make a bunch of waiting lists and then I go through them and I click them off as those herbs are provided beautiful okay and I think beautiful process of doing it but how do you ensure the quality and safety of your herb exchange on your platform like is there a well, everybody, so please go ahead i'm sorry no 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 please go ahead yeah that was the question so everybody who sells or everybody who grows and sells herbs through the herb exchange has to or, um, agree to uh, growing by organic protocol and i i would say that's an honor system but um i also know how to track i also know how to track if people are using things they shouldn't be using. Um, I do land site, I, I do site visits. Um, some of our growers are certified organic. And so they get, a, um, and some of our buyers requires organic certification. So they get a different, um, they'll get a more expansive uh, piece of the, the market, so to say. Um, and, and, and also, you know that, um, one thing that because leslie the former director had a really strong passion and a whole a lot of knowledge around medicinal herbs and um ran gardens was a teacher and she um she really established the mark and i when i stepped in i didn't want to dumb this place down so i just wanted to keep a really high mark and that's what we're known for is providing really top-notch medicinal herbs and so by you can tell a quality by how it tastes how it smells yeah, with, the experience, with the experience it always comes there like if you have the experience you know by looking at the things and if they're certified then it kind of makes sense that way then uh, i think mostly you, you said you the trust is important and you trust these people and it goes but with the experience i think you can tell by looking at the herb like okay it it smells good it tastes good maybe yeah 
Yes, I. But also, um, if a farmer is spraying things that they shouldn't be spraying, they have to be registered to do that. And if I felt I needed to go um, look at through agricultural records, then um, hold on a second. Pardon me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're a hub. <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, there's a way to research. I, I never really, I mean, we, we work with some really strong players and, um, I've never felt the need to go around the growers back to find out if they've been doing things that were less than honorable. Um, okay. And I think no complaints there. If you have more complaints, then I think you will obviously do some background checking too. But if there are no no complaints, then I think it's it's all working, right? Right. And also some of the buyers, you know, some of the buyers they run um, pretty regulated um, companies, and they do their own testing. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we would hear back if something was awry. And we then there's a tracking system, so we can track that plant back to who grew it, what day it was harvested, what the conditions were. So um, there's, you know, there's a there's a system to um, if there was an issue, we could track it back to what that issue might, where it might have come from. Yeah. Okay. So. Like giving on the same thing, like are there any specific challenges, obstacles you encounter running the exchange and how do you overcome them mostly? Um, well, I think uh, climate chaos is becoming a challenge. Um, I, what I see, how, I think, how the conversation, how I suspect it will unfold because I'm seeing that a little bit now, is that, well, plants are on the move. And um, I find that some of the harvests are coming a little earlier and that the window um, is a little more narrow. So that can be um, challenging when you're organizing sales because we are only open one day a week. And, um, and so see these on this frame, those are, um, I work with a number of volunteers and these are, um, these are folks that were on a, um, a harvesting crew that we have. And uh, so the less I digress, but I, um, but I think those are the challenges because since we're open one day a week um, and we are open only on Tuesdays. Okay. And so, um, so we set the sales only for that Tuesday and we mostly supply fresh herbs. And so when we, and we do a bit of shipping. So those plants, those herbs need to arrive at their destination before the weekend. Um, and so I think, I, I think the climate chaos is going to. It's catching up. <laughs> it's catching up. Yeah. So, yeah, no but I think that's the important of this conversation around um, growing sustainably so we can um, show up in a good way. Okay, so keeping on this, like I think you have talked about how sustainability is very important. Like, so what role does sustainable and regenerative, like regenerative agriculture play in the work of your exchange? Well, because it's long game. I mean, you know, you can, 
I feel like it's really important that we're all engaged in like what, um, so we can, we can play a short game where we can get our needs met in the next year, but that's not very, not, that's not very collaborative. And long game, I mean a long game, what's good for the planet and all the beings? So not just the human beings, but all our wild relatives. Um, so the pollinators, the mycelial, um, I mean, all those beings that, you know, are participants in life as we know it. And so by long game, it's like, so how do we support that? How do we support a world that is livable for those that have not yet, that those that are going to come after it and will be standing on our shoulders? So mm -hmm. it's just, I, you know, if you don't have honor, I'm kind of I'm like, what do you have? I <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing which drives, basically. So, yeah. So Arib, this is Lisa. So hi everyone, I'm a member of the EAT team and we have a question from the from one of the um, attendees and they're curious to know what the most popular herbal products are and what if and if there are any trends that you are seeing. Um, let's see. Gosh. Nettles are very popular. Um, well, plus we're in the season of it. So this picture is Ella Campaign, um, which is a really great lung plant. And it's beautiful pollinator. I mean, pollinators just love this plant. But I say right for the current season, nettles are very popular, um, hawthorn. Rose petals are just coming on. Um, a lot of things for the heart. I um, And a lot of things for, nervines are very popular, which, um, so you like oats, uh, skullcap, lemon balm, motherwort, and then there's um, the adaptogens like ashwagandha. Um, I think everybody's like when things when the white the when the ride feels a little wild. I think folks um, do what they can to uh, stay in their body. So are there like any particular herbs uh, which are unique or significant to the region you serve? Basically, I think California poppy is pretty specific to the area. Uh. In California, poppy is um, a plant used a whole plant, or some people just use the root. I I think it's good to use the whole plant personally because you ask a lot of a plant if you're just going to take the root, and the root of cal poppy is not that substantial compared to it's the bulk of the aerial parts. So um, cal poppy is a beautiful plant loved by many different pollinators and it's used for sleep and sometimes uh, sleep with an aspect of pain. Perfect. And I think that's so, kind of specific to the area. And then there's other plants that grow wild in the area that, um, so we don't, um, we don't sell wildcrafted plants. Um, we sell cultivated plants. Um, we used to sell wildcrafted plants, but I, my sense is that wildcrafting and commerce is um, sketchy. 
and um and long term it can be um if everybody it becomes everybody's favorite plant some sort of a trend then you can just say it's just not really great for the plant um so like nettles are very popular nettles grow everywhere but they go around here in the in the in the, in the some of the wild areas um that we we work with farmers who grow them as a crop and nettles are just amazing plant they're really highly nutritious they've got a lot of micronutrients in there they're a great insectiary um, so a lot of uh, bug parents will plant the eggs in the nettle leaf and because it's ready food um, I drink a lot of nettle tea I also um, like nettle pesto um, which is really delicious um and it's good for the body and it's really good it's really good for the body awesome and then some so, of these pictures i'm seeing of some of the plants that come through so the black walnut there's some mullein and then when the fires came through and there's that the hibiscus elder is very up so this is black elderberry that's a um antiviral and um so that's a very popular plant i mean so that's the berry and that's a very popular berry used in um, a syrup. That's bacopa. Yeah, I think Mark, this is yeah, this one, green one, right? That's, that's the bacopa monieri. Um, it looks like purslane. It's extremely bitter. Um, a good brain tonic, um, but it's kind of like that when you eat a little piece of it. It's kind of the um, the gift that keeps on giving. You know, it's aromatic. It's an aromatic bitter, and um, but it's really good in a um, in a brain tonic. And some folks would put it in with like ginkgo or go to cola and some rosemary. Um, it's well rounded, but you know the the because it's so bitter, it's not like something you'd. Uh, it's not like an aperitif. You know, I, I when I um, so I'm not a clinical herbalist. I didn't set my goals on um, prescribing herbs for for folks, but I do a lot of my own. I, I make a lot of my own medicine and my partner um so he'll he'll eat some, he'll drink some of the things that I always explain to him it's not a it's not a sipper it's a shooter um because you want it it's because it's not you wouldn't probably take pieces of a copa and put it on a salad just saying okay we need we need someone like you know about these things otherwise we will just go with it <laughs> And so thyme, this is thyme, thyme is vulgaris. And thyme is a, um, a very common um, culinary. A lot of the culinary herbs are also medicinal, but um, uh, thyme is um, often used in cooking as antimicrobial, um, really pleasant tasting. I, um, I do a lot of baking with, with fresh thyme and it's delicious. Beautiful, beautiful. So coming back to the association, you said it's an education platform. So what educational resources or programs does you provide to promote the herbal knowledge and awareness in your community? Well, we, we when the pandemic hit, we were doing a lot of Zoom educational events. So from um,
like we have some upcoming on um, a seaweed walk coming up and that's um, to show folks how to harvest sustainably because things can be sustainable if they're if like if they're done correctly and um, when people in their um, enthusiasm go out without knowledge they can do a lot we can do a lot of harm and mm -hmm. uh, but plants because there's a place where you cut seaweed that will then um, just like with uh, plants in the garden, there's a way you cut to, there's a cut for the medicine, but there's also a cut for the health of the plant. And um, same, and seaweed is our plants of the ocean. And so this woman is at a long time, she has a business uh, and she's an educator. And so um, she's taught for us before and we take, uh, we're gonna go out to the coast um, very early in the morning and we're going to learn how to identify some of the seaweed varieties and how to cut them for the um, health of the seaweed itself. Um, okay. This one is other, not Zoom, right? This one is not Zoom. This one is in-person or this is Zoom Yes, yeah, we're doing a lot of in-person now. We we did, I mean, it was the Zoom because of pandemic and that's just, and that everyone, was everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Um, but, um, and then we, do um, herb walks. So we're gonna, um, herb walks, sometimes we've done herb walks in neighborhoods and it's just a walkabout. And so, cause a lot of, um, a lot of folks have medicinal trees on there. A lot of landscaping plants are actually medicinal. Hawthorne, ginkgo, um, mimosa, um, oh, on and on and on. Um, and so it's just kind of like knowing who your neighbors are. I, um, I'm, I'm big on education. I, I also run a little gardening business and I like to educate folks on what's in their yard and why we're doing something a certain way um, and why we're like letting things um, be. Because sometimes we are taught that things should always look a certain way when that's not really in the benefit for, um, if you cut away like the things that look dead on a flower, those are the seeds in there are food for somebody. Um, and that's probably not a human, but they're, if you want to have birds and other wild neighbors, then you want to make sure that they have a way to eat. Um, and so that's just part of the collaborative efforts that go on. And, um, and then we also do, um, mushroom educational event. So this one here, that was a, um, a Tay and uh, Raya have done a number of educational uh, events for us with um, on just like how to properly pick mushrooms and um, and how to use them. You know, because like, like I, I know a few people in the field of mushrooms and a friend of mine used to say, you can eat any kind of mushroom once. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess that's not a, if you want to live, you want to know what you're picking. Same with plants. Yeah, same with plants, because if you're out foraging in the wild, there's a lot, you really want to know what you're doing. There's um, plants, there's lookalike plants that um, if you pick the wrong one, you could really do yourself, you know, if this liver failure is no party. So, it's a best to kind of know what you're doing so you don't 
cause yourself or others harm. Awesome. So you mentioned like COVID. Uh, so I have a question here, like which says like, how has like your exchange adapter changed the, your operation in response to COVID-19 pandemic? Like, were there major changes before or just something you adapted quickly? Um, well, because the exchange, so I'm, um, I'm paid, but most of the folks that are involved are volunteers. And uh, well, it's, it's an educational um, venue. So the volunteers are actually here because they want to learn things. Um, that's why I volunteer here. Um, also, just also my love of um, my love of plants. But um, so my usual when the pandemic first hit, my crew of usually on Tuesdays, I usually have five people helping. And because we couldn't negotiate the proper space that the um, some of the health agencies were asking that crew got cut to two people and in the and at that time herbs were getting um more they were getting more popular not yes not less popular so that um that was pretty challenging but but we got it done you know you just um you step up you know you step up right. you collaborate and um and and everybody does their best and and I will say that doing one's best doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means everybody's doing their best, and that we want to allow each other um, that process of showing up in a good way. The other day, so we're doing this event out at the coast, and I needed to get some uh, liability insurance, and I the our liability or the the company we. Um, that does that work for us? They, I, he was having the person doing that insurance document was having a hard time, and he was so apologetic. You know, he had lost the person who does that process, and he was so apologetic. And I thought, you know what? We're all doing our best, so let's just give each other a little break, and that you know, just know that we're doing our best. And you know what? We got it done, but we didn't have to like start hammer on each other. I mean, it's just. You adapt yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you adapt. I think everyone was pressing at that time, and we did whatever we could, and uh, that was the best at that point. So yeah, uh, yeah. we are done with it. So, but that it has an impact on us, and I think everyone in the future will be ready for such things. So that was the good and bad were there. So bad. I, this is. This is the first year we did require masks be worn here. Um, mm -hmm. um, this is the first year we haven't required masks, and it's really nice to see chins. <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is back. Like it's good to be back to normal, basically. Yeah. There were a lot of yeah. things happening a year back, but now it's everything is back. No one knows like remember pandemic or COVID nineteen anymore. Everyone yeah. is without masks. So I yeah. like it that way. So, so talking about your uh, marketplace, about your exchange, like, could you explain the benefits the growers and makers gain from participating in the exchange marketplace? So, for growers and makers, is that was your question? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's all about it's, it's like when you're making a um, a dish that you're going to eat. 
the quality yeah. of the ingredients is going to determine in a big way what goes on the plate. So the same thing is uh, with a, a medicine pot. Um, the quality of the herbs that you're bringing into that pot are going to determine the efficacy, um, well, also the skills of the maker, but the in uh, in processing it correctly. But there's it, the the quality of the herbs determines has a lot to say in in what the the quality of the medicine and the finished product, and so the the benefits to the growers. First of all, farming is um, not for the meek. Um, I find that folks that feel are called to farm are called on a pretty deep level and um, and that they do it with a lot of heart and yeah. um, and, uh, and and a lot of sweat. And so providing a market, um, so we're not a for-profit venture because in a for-profit venture um, the markup would have to be higher um, yep. so to accommodate like the overhead that that um, for-profit venue needs to deal with and so being a nonprofit, and since the a lot of the labor is volunteers who are learning about medicinal herbs throughout the seasons um, so we don't so I'm not paying everybody to step in here to take a class um, and they do, they come in just like I came in here because I wanted to learn what the herbs looked like through the seasons and what um, what good quality smelled like and tasted like and uh, looked like. And so the benefit of the grower is that they have a venue. I do, I arrange all the sales. I arrange all the back end of it so they just need, they can focus on their, on their growing. Oh and then the benefit to the maker is um, having access to really high quality um, herbs and it's in a, in a in a consistent way so are there any like success stories or example of collaborations uh, between growers and makers through your exchange and uh, how it impacted their businesses well I um, any specific a, one <laughs> okay I'll, one of the growers that I work with about six six years ago the place she was renting was changing hands and so she was going to lose her um, farmland and because a lot of things come across my desk i learned about some land um, actually even closer to um, the herb exchange that was becoming available and um, the owner of that land is really um, really into egg and he really wanted a farmer on there and i knew this farmer was really solid and so i I hooked them up and she's got a really great place to farm and the overhead is really, really low. And so that was, uh, and she's a great grower and he's a great guy. And so it's like kind of when you get to introduce friends that they just hadn't met each other yet. <laughs> I like that feeling. So I know that feeling when that happens. So it, it's always like fulfilling, I guess. Yeah. So that was, that was a great, and um, that was, uh, fabulous I was so happy to make that happen and then to be able to um, um, with makers we work with different you know from like folks who make medicine in their kitchen for their family and neighbors or just their family to tea companies to skincare providers I mean skincare companies to clinics and 
like a couple of weeks ago, I got a um, text from one of the clinics saying, oh, hey, I'm wondering if you can get X. And this is late in the game. And you know what? My thing is like, I really want to make sure stuff happens. And so that's what I do. Good. I just like, okay, I'm going to try my best to make that happen. And we did. Awesome. So, so yeah, you know, collaboration. Yeah. So like, but now keeping on the same topic, how do you ensure the fair pricing and sustainable pricing for both the growers and buyers in your marketplace? Well, I, um, we have a growers meeting at the, um, bef uh, so the Urban Exchange is open from mid-March through mid-December. And we do some sales, um, the so-called uh, between the, that December and March time, but that's the mid-March through mid-December is when I have um, uh, different volunteers. I mean, the educational part with the volunteers comes in. So um, when so we have a meeting with the growers, and I do back-end research, looking at um, like what is a fair market for mm -hmm. um, different herbs and because I because I in essence I work for both sides of the conversation because you want to make sure that the makers can afford to buy those well-grown herbs and you want because otherwise the, 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 where's your market um, but you also want to make sure that farmers can continue to do what they feel called to do and um, when I was studying um, sustainability in college one of the teachers who actually is now a grower here she um, really talked about like if you don't have financial stability I don't care how much you love that dirt you're not going to mm -hmm. be doing it and so it's about it's like that long view it's like okay, if I want to do this and this is what it costs to make it roll out then that's where like I do some back-end research about what that market looks like with um, I look at other companies that are doing similar things and then we meet with the growers and and then we discuss this is I say this is what I think that, and I I just provide a lot of um, graphs um, not much graphs but I a lot of documentation about what my search has um, research has found and then we um, talk about what seems a fair price that's workable for uh, all concerned with the with the mindset that we want to make sure that the makers can afford to participate mm -hmm. okay. so keeping uh, like saying on topic of research so is there any ongoing research or collaboration happening in exchange which is involved to explore the potential of medical usage of the local plants of the what uh, of the medical uses of the local plant. Is there well, one research well, happening? Because they're medicinal herbs. Um, mm. um, and like some of, some herbalists are also quite versed in um, the medical field. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of cross-reference. Cross and like I know that um, we, provide herbs to a, a local, like the Indian, Indian Health Clinic, which is a medical facility. And they, uh, they, they use the herbs, they, they request specific herbs and then they, um, then they, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not part of that conversation, but I think that's what the, a lot of those herbs are provided to their, 
their um, clients. And there is also a lot of cross-reference. I've worked with folks that had a medical background. I've worked with nurse practitioners. I know that there's like, I know a lot of um, folks that, um, like I, a couple of people I have worked with and still work with are um, nurses, um, are, are um, acupuncturists, um, nurse practitioners. I, you know, and I'll tell you a little side story. I, um, I broke my wrist uh, about a, a year and a half ago and, it, and I, um, I didn't go to an herbalist. I, um, I went to a doctor who could set my wrist and then I, um, and then I, um, for my healing process, I, I engaged with a clinical herbalist I know, and I did a lot of, um, your herbal and, and nutritional um, approach so I would heal well. And when I last saw the physician who, um, it was a pretty nasty break. And, um, and he, the first thing he asked was like, we were, I was, I think it was my last appointment. And he, the first thing he asked me if I wanted more pain pills. And I said, oh no, no, I stopped taking those weeks ago. And I, and I also know that when you're in allopathic or Western approach to healthcare, that there are specific kinds of people that come in to do the teaching. And it's, yeah. and I, at that, and so I'm not really attached to, I wasn't attached to the response that that physician might've had, but I said, but you know, I brought you a handout on what I did to heal myself or that process. And he said, Oh my God, that'd be so great because people ask me all the time how they can help their healing journey and I don't know what to say. And I, um, and that, you know, I just thought, well, you know, a real healer, you want, like, always want more tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just, I, I, whether, I don't know how like that, I, I, I offered like referrals to clinical herbalists and cause I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that one needs to have a narrow view. Um, I think one can have like, like I said, when I broke my wrist, I did not go to an herbalist. I went to somebody who could set it, but Fair then, enough. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't, like I had a long game. I wanted to use my wrist and I, um, but I also, I, I was very, I made sure that I approached that healing in a really mindful way. So I, um, could support my body in that process because you know the body is you know it wants to heal and what can we do to help that process so is it a long process like it's a long game you said in a way like it's a longer process if you follow this uh, way or is it better like that way because you are using this one i think you have bias to this one so it is longer or like a slower okay so we're going to get out of my field of knowledge at some mm -hmm. point, but I, but I think that um, like one could take if one is having um, anxiety, one could go and get a pill. Mm -hmm. Also, one could do some support by um, taking time to decompress, taking time to go out in nature, go mm -hmm. to the coast, 
find a place that is not um, Brain like, <laughs> like I'm a hiker and so mm -hmm. I hike all the time just because I that's when I like this is that I can be entirely present and it brings me it makes me quiet it helps me to um, um, like be in my body so I can uh, um, so I can do the work that I feel that I like to do because it can get pretty hectic um, but if I, and there's also herbs that I like to, I like, I'm really fond of, of, of nervines. So I like, I really like skullcap. I really like um, oats. I like, um, I'm a big tea drinker. I, I grow a lot of herbs. I, I love nettle. So I, I, I drink a lot of nettle tea. And just having an undercurrent of um, like sustaining my body. So, because um, that's like, 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 um, I mean, everybody's lives are set up differently, but I, but in the mix of how things go, there's still ways we can support ourselves so we can walk our walk in, um, in the best way we can for ourselves so we can show up for ourselves in our community and our, you know, and, and our family is part of that community. Awesome. That's a good answer. We can take both the ways. <laughs> I have a well, couple of questions. Please go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple questions from the audience. So um, they were asking to learn more about the herbal exchange and uh, if you can describe your growing region and you know what, how, how wide a distance, like how do you define your region, the local, regional, like what's the distance that people have to travel in your area that you serve? Well, you know, we uh, uh, one of our board members uh, took on social media in a big way, and so our reach of clientele is a broader than it used to be. Um, so we ship across the states now, where it used to be more Bay Area, um, but our grower base is Bay Area, um, and the Bay. So that's, I'd say, within. Thirty miles growing base. Um, I do know a lot of uh, growers outside of the region, and so if I need to reach out of that region, I will. And sometimes it it will be a situation where I don't necessarily want them to sell through us, but I will just make those connections for the farmer to have. Um, like I don't need to make we don't need to make a dime on everything we do, and so sometimes it's just about somebody's looking for X. Somebody's growing X, and um, it doesn't need to like be shipped to us so I can ship it to them. Because that to me is like that doesn't make a lot of sense. So sometimes I'll just connect that farmer with somebody who's looking for something specific, and I'll do a little back. I'll, I'll just make introductions, but um, but mainly our gig is to support the local growers so they have a solid market base because I want them to make sure that they continue on with what they do. And so some of the growers are. They grow food and herbs. Um, so does that, does that answer the question? Yeah, so you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? You're in California. We have an international audience, so it's helpful to give them a oh, little bit of yeah, geographic location. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're in Northern California, um, San Francisco, north of San Francisco, about uh, 50 miles north of San Francisco, we're about uh, 20 miles from the um, Pacific Ocean. 
and um, and we're a Mediterranean climate, which is a huge blessing. Um, and uh, and that's yeah, that's 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 our location. That's terrific. And then when you're talking about sustainability and the um, and looking forward to the legacy of the uh, the exchange. How do you how do you measure success and how do you ensure sustainability for your in your business model? Well, I think one of the ways we um, ensure the sustainability is make sure that um, the growers have a voice in how this place runs, and um, because without the growers, that I mean, just goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> You know, and so it's making sure that that the um, that the players have a voice, and the the buyers, you know, if they didn't like what we do, um, then they, I'm sure they would go elsewhere, because um, there's a lot of farms around. I think um, I think what is the uniqueness about the herb exchange is that we're a collaborative effort, and we work with a variety of farmers, and and then our ability to keep the Price low, but really the long game is to to um, make sure that things are grown sustainably, sustainably and in a respectful way for all the players, including the farmers themselves, the wild neighbors, which include not just. Um, I mean, and I think that's the the growing sustainably and regeneratively. So you have. Um, so there's like the the wild neighbors are not just um, dismissed as um, problematic. I know I know that people trap gophers. I know that I know farmers trap gophers. But but if one is using chemicals, then you're gonna uh, you're gonna kill off the pollinators. And that's I mean life is woven, and and we want to make sure that 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 we are behaving in a way that we understand our place in that conversation. Because I, I think that we get into trouble as a species, and certainly a species in a um, the United States where there's some idea that like the humans are like the epitome of creation, which is not true. That we are we are part of a very large and a very eloquent conversation we call life. And I think that we are taught that um, we are more important than others when that's not true. That's not how it works. And um, and also that that to encourage ourselves to um, to support each other because you know people actually work really well together. And I think sometimes we're um, that's skullcap, by the way, um, one of my favorite nervings. But um, but I think we're taught up to compete with each other when really life really is a collaboration. And I um, it's almost like um, remembering like how we really work well together. Thank you. I have another question from uh, another viewer. Alicia Rose asks, any thoughts about growing herbs with aeroponics or aquaponics, sorry, uh, or grow lights or, you know, apartment dwellers? She's like asking about uh, scaling sustainable growing perhaps? For sounds like you have farmers who are working out in the in the land cultivating, and uh, do you have any 
any thoughts about the aeroponics and aquaponics? And she also asked, like, do you do you sell seeds for people to grow their own herbs in their home or gardens or their own homes, basically? Um, so we actually don't sell seeds. We are a cut herb venue. Um, but I but um, depending where one is located, there's some great companies who do sell um, seeds. Um, I think if you're crossing international borders, then those conversations uh, maybe shift a little bit. But um, so back around aeroponics and aquaponics, I I think that there, if for one's personal use, I I can see that that was a place for a conversation. I, I I think using grow lights is not terribly sustainable, um, and so I'm wondering if one could support. Um, a local farmer, or if one could be part of a um, community garden, or if one could grow something on a shelf where there's some light. Like, like I live in the woods, and so my ability to grow, um, and for most food and many herbs, you need at least six hours of solid light. So what I, so I studied, um, like, um, like what are the what are the wild herbs in my in my area and which ones of those are medicinal and so i learned like i grow some understory plants that are both medicinal and um, grow well without a lot of um light but i think as far as the question of the the person asking the question those are so many i wouldn't personally want to sell those on a market um base but i think if one is doing something for their own needs then that conversation that's that becomes a more personal thing. Um, and I'm wondering if that person might have access to um, community gardens or like I, I, um, I have, uh, since I run a little gardening business too, and that gardening business, because I live in the woods and I wanted to grow some food. So I thought, okay, what do I need to do? So I used to grow food for families and I did that so I could um, go also in my, and I, my trade was I wanted to grow food for myself. And so that's how I grew their food. And then that might, the price was that I got part of that food. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if that might be an option for people. And, and also when one starts gardening, start small, grow a couple of things. Um, so that's how, that's how I managed it. And I think it also, who, whomever's asking that question is like, well, what are those options? You know, what are people doing um, in your neighborhoods and how are they getting food to their table or how are they, get, they getting their medicine to their table? Because um, growing, growing can be, um, if you know you can grow food, you can grow medicine. So it's, location is like a big part of that question. Where, where is that person located? Alicia is in, I think, New Jersey, New York. Oh, Alicia, I believe, is on the eastern coast of the eastern side of the U.S., perhaps. Okay, so but maybe she can put it into the chat for us. Maybe she can put it into the chat. Um, well, thanks for your questions, Alicia. 
And I have a couple, two more questions. One is about the what your what the vision for the where you see the uh, exchange in ten years, and then the other one is a personal question about your favorite, uh, what your green your ideal green smoothie would be. So, Oops. something fun. <laughs> so. Wow, ideal green smoothie. Or beverage, since we're talking about herbs. My I, favorite, I my, my absolute favorite tea. Your absolute favorite tea. Love, I love nettle tea, and I um I I make ashwagandha honey. So I take a fresh ashwagandha and I just cut it up in pieces and I put it in honey and let it infuse for a little bit, and then I make um. So when I make tea, I for most teas I wouldn't do this with rabbit, raspberry leaf because it can make it really bitter but I um, I cut the herbs dried or fresh and I put it in a mason jar and I let it you know boiling water but I pulled the water off um, and uh, for a long five count um, and before I pour it because you don't want to put like boiling water on a plant even if it's dried so then I let it sit for a, a few a minute and pour it over the plant. I let it steep overnight, and then in the morning I'll have the nettle tea with ashwagandha honey and cacao, and um, I like oat milk. And um, oh my gosh, it's so good. That sounds <laughs> That's, delicious. It's so good, and it's funny because the ashwagandha honey. So ashwagandha is um, an herb actually from. It's not a local plant. I mean, it's grown locally, but it's not. It's I think it's from. I think it's Asian. And. Um, and ashwagandha is uh, has a very strong personality, and uh, and I I think I'm kind of hardcore because I made some ashwagandha honey and I gave some to the grower and and she she said it's horrible on toast. So <laughs> why would you put it on toast? But um, but, I, but you know I like nettle pesto, so you know I'm just kind of that um, I'm kind of that. So this is Leslie in the center frame. That's that's Leslie, great fabulous herbalist. That's Leslie Gardner. And so also as far as procuring seeds, um, so there is Strickland Medicinals. They are in Oregon. I know they ship. On the East Coast, you know, I would just do a search about who grows organic. And there's also Richter's, um, and that's R-I-C-H-T-E-R-S. And I know that they sell seeds. And then I would also contact, um, like, who does the native plant stuff in your area? And so if you need to find out through the ag department or through nurseries, um, because then you're going to have an idea of, like, because there's a lot of crossover between, um, I mean, plants um, are diverse. And so some native plants, like nettles are, are na nettles are native here, that's agrimony. Um, and each one of those little seed heads is like Velcro. And so you could actually take those seeds and you could make a, um, like a brooch <laughs> <laughs> on your outlook, you know, fashion statement with plants. Um, but um, I would start with, so I would start with the, um, Local nurseries, because local nurseries also sell, generally sell seeds. I would make sure that they're organic. Um, sometimes big box stores sell plants and they don't always mark that they are, I mean, if you're buying plants, 
that they're they're often sprayed with neonicotinoids, which are um, really bad for bees, really, really, really bad. Um, and I know that overseeing agencies say that it's safe, which it is not. Um, so I would make sure that things are certified organic if you can possibly do that, or find somebody who does not. Um, or go to farmers market. Find out what the farmers markets are doing. But I'm strictly medicinals, and then there's also Zachwood's Herb Farm. I don't know that they sell seeds, but they're in um, they're in I think upstate New York. They um, and that's another. And they wrote um, a book, the Organic Medicinal Herb Farm. Really great. It's about growing herbs on scale. We offer a book that was written by Leslie Gardner um, called Life in the Medicine, and it's um, the growing, and it's kind of specific to the Bay Area, but growing um, how to grow and when to harvest medicinal plants um, for uh, consumption. Thank you. This has been really a lovely chat. It was really, really lovely to hear about the Sonoma Exchange and the uniqueness of your uh, organization and all the great things you all are doing. So, Thank you. You know, I, I would like to add that um, as much as we do to make it all go, we are in service of plants. And we would not exist if it wasn't for um, plants. We would not. Because whatever you eat um, is because of a plant. The air you breathe is because of a plant. Oh, so. Oh, that's bad. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I'm handing it over to you, Arib. You can fit, wrap it up. No, I think that was the there were the parting words and whatever she said about the plants. Yeah, if we we are here because of them, I would say. <laughs> so. So we need to respect the environment and all of that. So lovely words. It was an honor to have you on, uh, BJ. And hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future. And I will send you a link when this will be published on our website. That's great. Thank you so much. It was a right. an honor. Yeah, thanks. So Thank much. you. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT Community Podcast.